Feels good to be back on the pod. Feels good to be back recording a new episode of Views from the Hill. Feels like it's been a month. It's only been a week. It's a little bit sick last week. Got a little 24-hour stomach bug, you know. Became best friends with my toilet. Found myself hugging her a little bit too much. Honestly, this is a first for the show. There's two reasons why this is a first. I, I never opened the show talking about another school. But today, this morning actually, this is being recorded on Tuesday... December 13th, Mississippi State's head football coach Mike Leach passed away. It's very, very sad news. Prayers are going up to his family. It's a very, very tough time. It's so unbelievably sad. I mean, it's can't really put it into perspective. He's only 61 years old. Uh, I'll, I'll, le- I'll let you all figure out the details to how he passed away, but in my mind, he's a Hall of Fame coach. Nonetheless, he's a Hall of Fame coach. I don't care what criteria he has or hasn't met. I mean, I know you're supposed to win 60% of your games before you go to the Hall of Fame as a college football coach, but he's won around 59% of them. I don't care. Put that man in the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's so many current head coaches in college football today that have come from the Mike Leach tree, which I have a story about that, short little story. I saw it on Twitter One time when Michael Leach was a coach, I believe he might have been at East Carolina at the time. It might have been East Carolina, I'm not sure, but regardless. One time he told one of his players that this kid wasn't going to play this season, probably at all. He wasn't really even going to be in the two deep, and he would like for the kid to start coaching with him as a student assistant and still honor his scholarship. Well, the kid got pissed off, didn't really like that, left his office. Kid wound up coming back the next day and took the job. That kid was Lincoln Riley. It's pretty wild. I know. Look what Lincoln Riley's done nowadays. Yeah, I bet he's really glad that Mike Leach offered him that student assistant coaching job. But this is just one of one of the many big time head coaches in college football that has flourished in their career after being guided early on by Mike Leach. I mean, he's a household name. Everyone knows who Mike Leach is. He's hilarious. At one point, I wanted him at Arkansas. More of the story. Hug a loved one today because you never know how quickly the last chapter of someone's life story come to an end. Secondly, I, mean, I know we have a lot of time for different things to unfold, different kids hit the portal, you know, bowl season hasn't really started yet. But, you know, the Hogs have only really had three big losses to the portal, and that is Keytron Jackson, Trey Knox, and Miles Slusher. And Miles Slusher we already, we already really knew of, but I haven't even talked about the bowl game. So December 28th, 4 p.m., Hogs take on the Kansas Jayhawks in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis Tennessee. What a shitty game slot. 4 p.m. on a Wednesday? Are you kidding me? Makes it hard for anyone to watch. Makes it undesirable to even go, regardless of the bowl game. I mean, it's in the middle of the week. It's not even close to New Year's Day. It's not even close to Christmas where you could have the possibility of getting a a company vacation day out of it. But we're going to see a lot of new faces in the bowl game. We don't have our wide receiver two, wide receiver three, or wide receiver four for the bowl game. And I mainly thought we were going to see a lot of missing faces on the, or excuse me, a lot of new faces on the defensive side of the football. But 
yeah, it's going to be a whole new team, what seems like trotting out there against Kansas. As far as the bowl game preview, we'll get into that in a later episode, probably the week before. But, you know, outside of the transfer portal, the Hogs have had three players declared for the NFL draft who will probably not play in the bowl game. I hope they wouldn't play in the bowl game. Drew Sanders, probably going to be a first-round pick. Should be a first-round pick, probably be a late first. Jaden Hazelwood and Ricky Stromberg. And I don't have a problem with any of their decisions, and I wish them nothing but the best. They did a lot for us as Ragebacks. Two of the guys only being here for a year, Stromberg being here for a while. They all put in a lot of work for us and did some great things for the Hogs. And I will always respect those three. As for this is the best muscle team at this point in the season that we've ever had. Seriously. Fast forward to one year ago. or Sorry, not fast forward. Rebound to one year ago. We got our ass whooped by Oklahoma. I mean, they beat us by damn near 30. And then we played – who do we play at home? What team did we play at home? Speedy Claxton was their freaking head coach. We played, It wasn't even at home. It was in Little Rock. Oh, my God, who was it? But it was a bad loss. We lost – back-to-back games like that to a really small school. That team had to bust to the freaking game last year. They had to drive from wherever the hell they came from to Little Rock, and they beat us. Oh, that sucked. But getting back on track, losing Trevor in Brazil absolutely sucks. And my initial thoughts were, you know, it, it it's going to be tough for any collegiate basketball team to make a run in the NCAA tournament. I don't care how good you are. We've seen the best of teams get knocked off in the early rounds. We've seen... Teams that barely make it to the tournament make Final Four runs. You know, it. it's all, you know, a lot of it has to do with talent, experience, but then there's a, a lot of luck that goes into making a deep tournament run. But it's going to be hard for any team no matter what, and it got a little bit harder for us when Trevor, Trevor in Brazil went down. I mean, there's just so many good things that guy does for your basketball team. He can shoot the three ball well. He's a... I mean, he takes up the entire freaking paint when he's standing in it, arms out wide, 6'9". He can, he can move, he's mobile, he can guard positions two through five at least he can switch on to a primary ball handler and hold his own I mean mainly he we're going to miss him on the defensive end and on the glass I mean he was great on offense all in all we're just going to miss that guy a ton only time will tell who's going to step up and I believe it's going to be more by committee than just one guy everyone's going to look to Jordan Walsh to step up you know there's going to be murmurs of Jalen Graham and maybe Mikel Mitchell but Walsh has got to be the one who's going to step up here big time. He stepped up big against OU. The more confidence that guy gets in his shot from beyond the arc, the more lethal he's going to be for us because the athleticism's there. The intangibles of you know just being an athlete are there. I mean, the guy's got one of the highest verticals on the team, on the court at all times. He's active. He has a good basketball IQ. He's got a good-looking shot. The more confidence that comes with that shot, the more effective he's going to be for us. Nick Smith Jr. getting back to the lineup. I mean, that guy's crazy efficient. You know, he, he surprised me. I, I really thought he, he was going to be a guy that came in and really just was a very, very high-volume shooter, took a lot of shots, but he's pretty efficient. He doesn't take bad looks. He takes good looks. He spreads the ball around. He's great in a pick-and-roll, moves very well without the ball. A couple different times in the first half against OU, they overplayed him, and they just back-cut him. Smart play. I mean, he, he's impressed me a lot, and granted, I only – you know, we only see the highlights when we see these guys recruiting tapes in high school. So him doing a lot of stuff like that, uh, you know, back cutting and taking high percentage looks is great to see. I mean, it's awesome to see. And he stepped he stepped up big every game he's been active for us this year. I mean, he was probably the sole reason we won the Greensboro game. 
had a great game on Saturday. But him being back shows how much more lethal this team can be. I mean, that's another scoring guard, another lethal guard. We, in the latest mock draft that I heard of last week's or two weeks ago's, uh, our guest Aaron Rosenthal, I'm in a group message with him. He's texted me and some other of my friends talking about how the two guys who he listens to the most in terms of you know NBA draft and prospects and stuff like that, they ranked, I believe, Nick Smith Jr. at five and Anthony Black at six. Yeah, that's impressive. We have two top six projected NBA picks as our front court. There's not another team in the country that has that at all. And then you throw Ricky Council in the mix who's leading the SEC in scoring. I mean, this team can put up some points. We can put up points quick. There's no deficit that is too big for us for the runs that we can go on and the stops that we can we can churn out when we need to. Us continuing to hang our hat on the defensive end of the floor is what's winning us some of these games. You know, we get down early to Oklahoma. We got down early to Creighton. We got down early to San Diego State. The offense will take care of itself eventually, and it's coming along each and every game. But our defense is what's been keeping us in games, and that's awesome to see with the, a team this young and a team this newly accustomed to playing together. This team's got flat-out scary potential. I can't wait to see where they take this thing. But I know I talked about it earlier. Y'all remember what happened last time Arkansas or the Arkansas Ridgebacks played in Little Rock. Wasn't good. Wasn't good at all. It's easy to forget after how we ended last season, how bad of a loss we had in Little Rock and the game before against Oklahoma. But Saturday's another perfect trap game. We have to avoid disaster. And this matchup in Little Rock is one that people shouldn't overlook. The Bradley Bears are a good basketball team. But what does Saturday mean for our season? How do we avoid disaster? And how do we get the job done? I guess we'll find out. I already know what it is. We got another one, boy. ATL. Just throw it in the bag. Alrighty, so this week's mailbag. I'm going off of last week's questions. I didn't put out a mailbag Q&A this week because I didn't get to the questions last week because I was sick, like I talked about earlier. Let's get into it. Alrighty, should apology letters be mailed or emailed to all SEC King, Hudson Clark? Fax that shit. What did I say on the first episode of this podcast? Hudson Clark, 17, will not be the problem. And he wasn't. Yeah, sure, you can say what you want to about him at corner. That guy's a pretty good safety. He's a hell of a lot better than number 15 that's back there chasing people, literally. Just can't cover anybody. Hudson Clark honestly held down the back end as about as well as anyone could have expected this year. I'm fax, er, I'm telling people to fax their apology letter to him. All the people that bashed him in years past, they're pretty quiet now. You know, I'm not saying the guy is an NFL prodigy back there at safety, but Pretty good, does his job, makes open field tackles, good in coverage, breaks up passes. He's smart, knows the defense at the back of his hand. He's a leader out there. What else do you want out of a guy like him? Seriously, he wildly exceeded any expectation that people had for him this year. Second, Barry Odom to Auburn. Yeah, Sam Scalise, your source was completely freaking wrong. I mean, I don't know who you're getting these sources from or if they're just I, – I don't really know. You had a source that Jamil Walker was going to go be the strength coach at Auburn. That guy needs to go to a psych ward for all the issues he's got between the ears. Something's not firing right upstairs for that guy. Barry Odom literally 
took a head coaching job in the polar opposite direction of Auburn at UNLV. So that source stinks. Let's see, what else? Oh, you had a source at the Stanford, one of the Stanford defensive backs in the portal was going to take a visit to Arkansas. He just committed to SMU and never visited Arkansas. Scoyce, I'm sorry to kind of go in on you like this, but there's a reason why there's a group text called Sam's Unreliable Sources. Well, the Hogs win their bowl game. Uh, I think we got a chance. Rocket Sanders might get the ball 40 times a game, or 40 times in that game, but by guy should be getting the ball 40 times a game in every game. Matt Landers about to have field day. I bet the starting receivers are Matt Landers, Jaden Wilson, Bryce Stevens, probably see a little bit of Satania, maybe some Sam Mbake. I know KU kind of started off the year hot, like what, 5-0, and 6-0, or 5-1, and but they lost six of their last seven. I mean, both teams have the same record. I know that this is kind of going to be viewed as their Super Bowl because, you know, they, they, I don't think they have many guys hitting the portal and Kansas is going bowling for the first time in like forever. So, yeah, they're going to treat this game like a Super Bowl, but there there isn't going to be a player for Kansas that is better than number one or number five, point blank. Feed those guys the ball. Michael Schreier, our linebacker coach, people – we're rumoring him to go out to be the defensive coordinator at UNLV under Barry Odom. I, as much as you would think he would do that, I don't think he's going to because the pay is equally the same and he's a linebacker's coach here. So, yeah, it's a step up in job title, but normally when you take that leap into a, you know, a climb up the corporate ladder, as you would say, there's normally a big pay bump involved and there wouldn't be at UNLV. And, hell, if he calls a great game on Saturday – or not on Saturday, on Wednesday at 4 p.m., the 28th against Kansas, do you do you consider hiring the guy as your defensive coordinator? I know you probably give him a pay bump to keep him as our linebacker coach because it, our linebackers have been pretty good the past few years. I mean, really, Grant Morgan, solid. Hayden Henry was honestly not very good until Schreier got a hold of him. He's solid. Bumper Poole, solid. Pooh Paul, went from being a question mark to now being a, what, freshman All-American? or I, mean, I think it was freshman All-American, but he's a flat-out stud. And, then, and Drew Sanders kind of an outlier. That guy could be good if radio was his linebacker coach. Why didn't you use any of my questions last time? I use everyone's questions. What are you talking about? Why do we pay Fountain over half a million to suck? That's a good question. I mean, our special teams, they were good, decent last year. The one good thing is that we finally have a kicker that could kick it out of the back of the end zone or get it to the end zone on a kickoff, and, you know, we do have Cam Little. But, God, other than that, our, our, our punting is freaking atrocious. You know, I have sympathy for kickers, field goal kickers, because it takes a lot of skill, a lot more skill to do what they do than punting. When you're standing back there at your own 10-yard line, you quite literally don't have any other job but to just punt the ball as far as you can. As far as you can, sure, you know, if you're punting from your own 40 and you got to pin them deep, that's a different thing. You know, that, you know, you got to punt it towards the sideline at least past the 20 or the 15. But punters don't have to make it through an upright. They don't have to get it to the end zone, unlike a, you know, a kick, uh, a kickoff guy, a kickoff specialist. All they have to do is just punt the ball high and far. That's it. And we can't seem to do that. Some people 
think it's a problem that Reed Bauer's in the portal. You know, Reed Bauer was just okay this year. Definitely sucked a lot worse than last year. Max Fletcher, and I guess that guy must just be booting the ball 80 yards a pop in practice because I think he got one punt over 40 yards this year. I'm not kidding, and that is horrendous. Out of all the current and former U of A coaches, who would I want to have a cold beer with? That is a great question. Who would I want to have a cold beer with? It's hard not to say Pitt. Um, Brett Beal will probably drink anyone under a table. Who would I want to have a cold beer with? I'd probably like to have a cold beer with Jimmy Smith. Yeah, I'd like to have a drink with Jimmy Smith. He seems like he'd be a cool guy to kick it with. Trey Knox or Kelsey? Mm, Going with Blake Kern. Who wins? Arkansas or UCF? Stop the cap. Stop the cap right now. UCF is the most fraudulent fan base and fraudulent football program of all time. We beat so-and-so who beat so-and-so who beat so-and-so who beat so-and-so. So we're national champions. So we're going to put a a banner in our football stadium saying that we are the 2018 national champions. We're going to have a cop car. It's a championship cop car. When, in fact, we didn't even make the college football playoff or the top six that year. How stupid is that? God, I, it blows my mind that they actually think that. It really does. I mean, Arkansas reeling at the end of the season – could go, could walk in to Orlando, Florida, play Central Florida, and piece them up by at least 10 easily. I mean, my God, we would run all over that team. Seriously. What's more valid? Arkansas's t- title in 1964, UCF in 2017. Like I just said, Arkansas's title in 1964 because it was an actual title. It was. We were one of the top two teams to finish the season, and we beat the best team, therefore making us number one. You know, It'd be one thing if UCF beat Alabama, but they beat Auburn, who didn't make the college football playoff. They just played them in a New Year's Six Bowl. It was like the first one UCF has ever won. So they just considered themselves national champions because Auburn beat Alabama that year, even though Alabama was ranked, still ranked better than UCF, still made the college football playoff, and still won the national championship. Whenever you look up the national champion to the 2018 college football season or 2017-2018 college football season is the Alabama Crimson Tide, not the UCF Knights or whatever it is. God, it honestly boggles my mind. How many players are you predicting to transfer to Colorado to play with Prime? A lot. Um, I, I think his introductory press conference was pretty funny, talking about, you know, those who – on the fence, go ahead and jump in that portal because I'm bringing a, lot, bringing a lot of luggage with me. It's true. I mean, he's bringing Travis Hunter. He's bringing, should, I think, Sender. I don't know how to say his son's name, but quarterback at Jackson State. Probably is going to have, I think it's Josh Earl, former Alabama Crimson Tide running back, commit there. He already had a four-star running back that was committed to Notre Dame, uh, flipped to Colorado. Prime's gonna get some he's gonna get some dudes in there, that's for damn sure. And what a lot of people don't know is that Hunter Yurichek is a big fan of Deion Sanders. He's a big fan of Prime. And at one point, some people thought that we were gonna hire Prime back before we hired Pittman. It might be news to a lot of people, and some people might not want to hear that or believe me, but that's true. It's very, very true. We almost hired Deion Sanders instead of Sam Pittman. You know, think about that how you want. Who knows how that could have gone? What I think is going to happen with Dion is, you know, they're going to have all the talent in the world, 
But the Pac-12 is a little different than the SWAC. You're not going to be playing, you know, your toughest road environment is going to be at Alcorn State or at U or at UAPB. You're going to be walking into Los Angeles playing against UCLA or USC. Go go up to Eugene, Oregon. I mean, that that Oregon doesn't lose home games. They play Nebraska next year. They open the season at TCU. Yeah, it's not, it's they're not just going to walk in or Deion's not just going to waltz in the front door and put the Pac-12 on notice and possibly possibly be a contender. It's going to take a little bit. We're going to see how good of a coach Deion Sanders really is because that guy for damn sure can recruit. I got no doubt about that. And obviously he's done well as a coach at Jackson State. Hat off to him. But we'll see how good of a coach he actually is once he gets into the Pac-12. Do we miss Brett Bielma? Hell no. Is this strength and conditioning coach the answer to all of our problems? I'm not sure yet. I don't know a whole lot about him. He meets with the media this Friday. I know he came from Louisville. I don't really know a whole lot of his background. I need to look more into it. But I think it's going to be a nice reset and change from Jamil Walker. You know, Jamil Walker obviously was great at Georgia. He was good for the guys here for the most part. But something was going on with him inside the locker room that I think he was just kind of a ball of toxicity. He openly bad-mouthed coaches. He never met with the media. He wasn't very respectful to anyone else at the university outside the football department, and he really didn't respect anyone within the football department. So I know some guys in the locker room were talking about this is bad if you fire Jamil Walker, but I think it's for the best. I, I heard that he wasn't really punishing players for missing workouts, and he was so beat up throughout the year that he didn't get the bonus he thought he deserved or was quote-unquote promised. So I don't know. I think it's just going to be a nice change of scenery with Sowers getting in here from Louisville. But, but yeah, that wraps it up for this week's mailbag. Ty Richardson, Mr. Hit That Line. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Peyton. Uh, I'm excited to be on. I, I know this is something that you've kind of been wanting to do for a long time, and I think you've done a good job thus far and just happy to join another another guy from Taylor Loop, like back in the old days. Oh, yeah. Just a bunch of grinders from, from John Taylor's house playing no weenies allowed, body bags everywhere. <laughs> All righty, Ty, I got a couple questions for you. Uh, first off, you know, the transfer portal and everything's going on. And honestly, up until, what, yesterday, I kind of felt like the Hogs haven't been hit that hard via the portal, you know. We all knew Slusher was probably going to be on his way out. Losing Keytron kind of sucked, depending on who you talk to. But Trey Knox leaving is kind of kicking the like kicking the stomach, I feel like. You know, he's a locker room guy. He's been around for a while. Uh, all in all, you know, just not ha- having a D.C. right now and just kind of the unsurety of it. You worried about the football program, the state of it? I don't know worried is the proper terminology, but I'm definitely curious. I think Trey's going to end up going to South Carolina, follow his old position coach and his old, old position coach and Justin Stepp. I think you put two and two together and you can add up to four. I just think Sam has some big hires to make. He's got to hire a defensive coordinator. He's got to hire a tight ends coach. He's got to get some talented players out of the portal. 
the Trey Knox, as you just said, was a, a, a body blow, and he was my favorite wide receiver, pass catcher, whatever you want to call him, last couple of years, even over at Traylon Burks. Burks was the, clearly the better player, but I just really like Clay's or Trey's demeanor and what he brought to press conferences and a variety of things. So I was kind of disappointed, but you know, it's definitely a it's definitely the toughest stretch of time that Sam Pittman has had to hit to this point, I think, in his tenure at Arkansas. Yeah. And, you know, Trey Knox handles himself, you know, years beyond what you'd expect for a college kid. You know, having to having to having to go through the things that he went through with Chad Morris, he easily could have left. I mean, he stuck it out, went through a position change, was patient enough, really bought into being a tight end. He wound up being a good tight end for us. I mean, I can't really ask much more of him. He's he stuck it out through the good, bad, and the ugly here. So um, it will suck with him leaving. But, you know, just on top of, you know, needing to hire a defensive coordinator, I, I know it's hard for Hog fans to be patient and stuff like that, but how how patient do you think Hog fans need to be to get the people that we need in the portal? I know that we currently have the most transfer commits out of anybody in the country right now. It's only three. But you know, it's hard to get the defensive guys we need with when we don't have a defensive coordinator. So, do you think we see a lot more, you know, or a lot more newcomers once bowl season wraps up, or are you expecting or wanting to see any more in the near future? Well, we continue to see them kind of cycle in. The portal opens through January the 18th, so you still got more than a month's time where guys could come to Arkansas. You mentioned the the, the three transfers. You've got uh, Braun, Colby Criswell, and you're going to have to help me. Who is the third one that is, is kind of eluding me? to? Oh, the Texas A&M Commerce wide receiver. That's the, Andrew that's Armstrong. The yeah, so that's the third one. So that's – I mean, those are positions of uh, need for next season. And I, I think you've seen Sam Pittman in, when he brought in – Trey Williams, Mark Kelotzi, and John Ridgeway, three starters. And then last year, Drew Sanders, Jane Hazelwood, Matt Landers, some other guys that they really hit on. So they've shown they can evaluate talent, particularly Drew Sanders. Now you have to take it to that next level and get more guys that you've ever gotten out of the portal, and you got to hit them better than even you had the last two years, Peyton. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, we you look at the, the portal additions we had last year, every single one of them made an impact. And you could say that, you know, for Arkansas, LSU's team is comprised of transfers. Same with Ole Miss. And I think that's the reason why Brian Kelly is able to have as much success in year one as he did. But last two questions on on football, I kind of want to get in some hoops. But as a defensive coordinator, who would you like to see us go after? I know there's been talks of, you know, there's talks of Ron Roberts, there's Trey Scott. Heck, if I think – Michael Schreyer goes out there and calls a heck of a game in the bowl game. I don't know. He could be a name for consideration, but who would you like to be the next Hogs defensive coordinator? I, I know Trey Scott has the cross hit connection, went to Arkansas Tech. Michael Shearer, Barry Odom's probable defensive coordinator. We'll have to wait and see till that's confirmed. You've got some of the other guys you just listed. I think Ron Roberts ended up did get hired by Auburn. I haven't checked right. that 100% just yet. Uh, yeah. Leonard Leonard was the popular name for Wisconsin, uh, who doesn't seem to be coaching for the Badgers after the bowl game, it looks like. Uh, those are kind of the, the perennial names that you've heard lately. 
Peyton, I'm going to be honest. I don't really care who it is. I just want them to, to get someone that's going to take right. that next step defensively. I don't care if it's an Arkansas connection. I don't care if it's a Georgia connection. I don't know if Sam knows him from Adam. I just want the next guy to come in here and, and establish uh, a relationships and a presence to get the defense to hopefully even another level that at points we've seen it during Barry Odom's tenure. Yeah, I agree. And uh, the one, the only reason why I brought up Schreyer is because he would take a step up in job title by going to UNLV, but the pay would be essentially the same. So I know whenever you take that next step up in any job, you know, you hope a salary bump comes with it. Like hell, Dow Wagon's got a $600,000 pay raise, you know, and he's going to be a def- or an offensive coordinator from a position, from a position job. Yeah, it's the SEC, and you know I think the Mountain West is what UNLV is in. But you know, still, who knows? I'm with you. All in all, we just got to get a guy in here because we can't pursue guys on the defense side of the football if we don't have a DC. So um, I know. So you we've you used to be an Ohio State guy back in the day. Somehow, Joey, Michigan guy. Um, College football playoff expanding. You think it's a good or a bad thing? I think it's an awful thing. Man, that takes us back, doesn't it? Uh, I, oh, yeah. I, I I hate Troy Smith today, but for whatever reason, that uh, sucks. Yeah, I just I, I was a dumb kid, I guess. But no, you, you asked a good question, Payne, about the college football playoff expansion. So Ohio State gets in as the fourth seed. They're matched up with Georgia. The fifth seed would be the Alabama Crimson Tide, which. I personally think that Alabama would beat Georgia. I don't know why. I just think people think that Kirby's gotten over Nick. Nick Saban last year didn't have his top two wide receivers, and Bryce Young was just under duress all night, and they still were a pick six away from going down and driving and winning that football or tying that football game up. That's my opinion on that. I think for Arkansas, you have to look at everything from an Arkansas football vantage point. Arkansas is not going to get in the top four anytime soon. It's just – Let's just be real. Call spade a spade. You have yeah, a much right. better chance of chance of getting in the top twelve. So from the the Fayetteville vantage point, from your view on the hill, you should be in favor of this. I think just because I think it greatly benefits Arkansas's chances of making it to the college football playoff. I don't know if they can still get to a national championship, but at least to say you'd be a part of the playoff would be a pretty big deal. Yeah, it, yeah, I. With that, that's a good point. I agree with that point. I honestly didn't think of it. You know, I, the one thing I, I don't really like about it, though, is that, you know, you, you start, you know, kids opt out of ball games, right? And then, you you know, Jack Smith and Jigba opts out of the playoff, which boggles my mind to no end. But, you know, with, with 12 teams, that's what – how many more games would that be? If you're, if you're a 12 seed going to the – National title game, that'd be three games. I think I believe the number is three more games. So you would see opt outs, even though you would be on the brink of possibly play, playing for a national championship. That will irritate some fans when they feel like that their players are giving up on what could be a national championship. It's going to get real weird, real dicey, and real personal, too. I mean, fans feel like that you should give your all to the bitter end till you can't play it down for the university anymore. Some fans still hold that belief. Others have started to come around on the idea of opting out, getting ready for the NFL draft. I mean, you mentioned the Jackson Smith, the Jigma example. Some say he wasn't going to be ready for the college football playoff. Others have insinuated that he was ready. They just have kind of used his injuries as an excuse. I don't really know what to believe. 
Uh, what I do know is that's not going to be the first one or the last one when it comes to this discussion. Yeah, I agree. The, the only thing at the end of the day, like I feel like as a competitor, you know, it's a it's the national championship you're talking about here. If it's the if it's the tax slayer bowl, I get it. You know, I and I get opting out for a bowl game. I like how I think Nick Bosa did it back when he was at Ohio State. He got hurt the first game of the year. Didn't even didn't even consider coming back. Just was like I'm opting out after game one. That I I get that. You know. Because then you you run the risk of reaggravating an injury, and then you know Jamar Chase just opted out the COVID year, um, but then you know say you, a, a kid plays in the first round of the uh, he's a twelve seed team they play he plays in the first round game feels that he might get hurt in the next two games and opts out, and then you kind of it raises the question how like does it does the meaning of a national championship mean as much to these kids anymore, and kind of takes away from just the culture of college football together. It's kind of just my one thought about it. And I don't know how they're going to do it. I I do think that having playoff games on campus would be cool. I mean, that would be sweet. Like, imagine if, if, you know, the perfect scenario, Arkansas was in the top four and we hosted like like a Clemson at our place. Dixon would be electric, say the least. But, you know, just my rock raw thoughts about it so um moving on to moving on to basketball it's hard not to be excited about basketball i mean seriously you know it sucks losing brazil but just off the top of your head when it comes to this team making a run and you know throughout conference play throughout postseason play who's the x factor i know everyone likes to look at nick smith jr ab guys like that who's your x factor for what makes this team go I think it's Jordan Walsh. We saw on Saturday afternoon that he can have quite an impact by just scoring 12 points. Knocked down two threes, uh, 40% after shooting five of them. Defensively, you know he's going to be there. He's just got to limit his fouling. And he's still a slasher, can get to the rim. Aggressive offensive rebounder. Now, 6'10 is a little different from 6'7. Jordan's got a long wingspan, but it's not Trevin's. But I think Walsh is the guy to, to keep an eye on, and hopefully he – develops into a more offensively potent Audis Tony. Audis was so critical for this team last year. The role he played defensively, his basket cutting, he's just the all-around glue guy. And Jordan has the chance to be even a better version of that. His He's got a great ceiling just with his size, and he's got good basketball IQ. got a great pump fake, and I think it's got to be Jordan Walsh, P. White. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I kind of – Earlier in the five before you jumped on, I kind of talked about how how early on it's going to have to be an effort by committee to kind of fill that role, but everyone's going to be looking at, at 13, and they need to be because, you know, he can do it at both ends of the floor for you. Jalen Graham, I just haven't seen it yet. The guy's really skilled offensively, but defensively, I mean, guy's soft as Charmin, if we're just being completely honest. can't He can't guard Matthew Riley in, in a game of eight foot. I mean – it, John Tidwell would abuse the kid. I mean, let's be honest. But that is I don't a know. Throwback and a half, Peyton. I haven't thought about <laughs> eight foot and goodness gracious, man. You we had some wars down there in Heatherbray. We were uh, knuckleheads back in the day. That was that was bad. That was great with Olmstead just living right across from the Trents and. Mrs. Trent just not caring about us playing at the sport quarter. They, I mean, they let us play under those lights, for goodness sake. It was unbelievable. I, man, that is, I hadn't thought about that in 
10 years paid, and I'm glad you brought that up. I think if any of us tried to play eight foot again, we'd there'd be a couple ACLs. I'd probably have to need another wrist surgery, but <laughs> you know, who knows? Um, all right, that's the good stuff. So, you know, you say Trayvon Brazil. Um, so going to the uh, the Oklahoma win, what value would you place on that? I inter- actually just in total, what do you think is our most valuable win of the season? You know, some would say if we beat Creighton, it would have been Creighton, but they've lost five in a row since they beat us. You know, I'd probably say the San Diego State game. The Oklahoma game showed me a lot, though, because Oklahoma shot the ball well in the first half. They really did. Yeah, I think you didn't have Trevin Brazil in that game. That's another part of that whole equation that you showed that you're still a really good basketball team without your sixth man. I think – I mean, I don't have an issue saying the San Diego State game, the way that played out. Kamani Johnson coming out of nowhere – and getting that tip in, I mean, that guy, that guy's not going to quit. It, people just assume that he was going to be okay with sitting the bench the whole season. That guy's a warrior down low. He yeah. is, and he's not that big. He's like six seven, and he plays like he's six ten, six eleven. He is the exact embodiment of what an Arkansas Razorback basketball player is. Just refusing to quit on any play. He's not the most gifted. He's not the most talented. But you're going to have to give a hundred and ten percent if you're going to outwork him. So I mean. San Diego State game, it's the day, it's 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 drinks given. I mean, the, the beers are flowing that night. I'm watching oh, yeah. it in, at Papa's Pub, and it was just electric when Kamani hit that shot. The whole place in Fort Smith just exploded. And uh, I, I'd have to say the San Diego State win just based on how you clawed back and tied it up and then gutted it out in overtime. Yeah, I agree. And that win just kind of said a lot as a team. You know, we easily could have laid down that team being so young. I think, you know, there there have been mock drafts coming out, and I know they're just mocks. But personally, I I know Nick Smith Jr. is going to be mocked ahead of everyone on our team. But when Trevor Brazil was healthy, there legitimately could have been five guys drafted off this team. And I don't think we've had five guys drafted in the last, like, six years. I know – we had Moses, first-rounder. Isaiah was the second. Jalen was the second. Then you have Bobby. Daniel Gafford. Daniel Gafford. Who else? Right? I believe that's it. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's dating all the way back to 2015. So it had been seven, eight years. And we'd have had that same amount in one year. But I think personally, Anthony Black's going to be the best all-around NBA prospect, and I don't think that's that that hot of a take just for all the different things he brings to the table. You know, who do you think is going to be the the toughest conference opponent for the Razorbacks? And talking Alabama, Auburn, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, those teams. Hey, and there's a collection of good ones, man. I mean, that Kentucky regular season, closeout game is going to be awesome, electric, maybe the best atmosphere we have all season. But don't underestimate that Wednesday night game coming up January 11th when Alabama, if they keep the pace they're at, they'll be top five in Bud Walter Arena, maybe top three. Auburn is your first true road test on January the 7th. You're going to have to beat Tennessee. That's going to be a quality basketball team. Good thing is the SEC has performed well in some of these non-conference games and tournaments to this point. 
So you don't have to necessarily select just one. But if I did, I would probably just say because the road atmosphere in the jungle is a hostile environment, I'd pick Auburn because it's early when this basketball team is kind of still trying to get in midseason form, which we've seen them do towards the end of conference play the last two years. Right. Yeah, and no, I'd agree with you. I mean, outside of conference games, I completely forgot that we played Baylor this year on the road. And we, you throw that in there, I mean, we – we play LSU before them, and then we play A&M after. But, you know, are, are you going to try to go to that game, you and Brad, Baylor Brad? That's the plan. I think Joseph's going to try and go. Uh, big Joe. Our, our big Joe, our cousin Brandon, who's a Arkansas attendee and Baylor graduate, is probably going to be there along with my Uncle Rob. So we'll have the whole Richardson clan down there. And I, I, I'm excited. I, I, that's a that's going to be a fun little weekend on a Saturday. I think that game's either going to be at 3 or 5 o'clock based on where Arkansas and Baylor are at that point. I think it's going to be a 5 o'clock game. It'll leave it right into Kentucky and Kansas at 7. So that's the weekend I'm looking forward to, P.Y. Yeah, they need to flex it. I think right now it's listed as 3 p.m., but I hope they flex it. I mean, that, that would that'd be nice if they flex that game to a, a night game. But it's just I'm glad that we're not playing freaking Oklahoma State anymore. seems like we played them every year in that Big 12 challenge. They I mean, sm- smacked Arkansas around a little bit. In Gallagher, Ibra. they two years ago you played them close. Kate Cunningham kind of took over in the four, or excuse me, in the second half. But I guess that would have been in twenty sixteen. That was twenty twenty one. Start of twenty. Well, twenty 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 one year. Yeah, and then the game that I attended, which was I think in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, they beat us by a bajillion. It was it was disgusting how bad it was. Yeah. So I. I get a couple of these mailbag questions each week, a little Q&A. I got a good one this week that kind of, you know, kind of stumped me, so I figured I'd ask you too. If you could have – out of all the current and former Arkansas coaches, who would you want to have a beer with? I'd probably say Nolan. Uh, oh, that's a good one. I like I, Nolan. I, I mean, there's – I mean, you can go Holtz, Broyles. I mean, most people tell you Broyles, McDonald, uh, Sutton. Baseball-wise, Norman Bryan, Dave Van Horn, and there's coaches on campus. I've, I've got to talk with Eric Musselman a good chunk, and I like listening with him, Dave Van Horn, Sam Pittman. I mean, those are coaches that I have a lot of interactions with, either on press conferences or just seeing them after. So I feel that's kind of cliche to list one to do. I mean, I, I think Nolan's just got such a crazy um, story and right. or what he is for the Arkansas basketball program. I mean, I know that Frank Borles is probably the most revered guy to ever set foot on that campus, but – I mean, the last championship they won it was in '64. No one went back to back. I mean, I don't think we, Payne. I don't think we have a great deal. I don't think we can fully grasp and understand how insane this Razorback basketball program was from like '90 to '95. And even if you yeah. want to include '96, they went to the Sweet 16. I mean, they were those back to back seasons. I mean, you don't you, you don't go back to back anymore. Right. Florida did in 06, 07 with Joakim Noah, Al Horford, Humphrey, Torian Green, and those guys. But I mean, for Arkansas to do what they did in the 90s when they beat Duke, who was the king of the 90s, we know, under Mike Krzyzewski. So I would probably say Nolan. I'd, I mean, the stories I've heard from his former players and what I've gotten to listen from just the different content that's been put out, I would definitely say Nolan Richardson. Yeah. Well, your answer is a hell of a lot better than mine. I said Jimmy Smith. Friggin' running backs coach. I don't know why. I don't know. He seems like a guy that would be cool to have a drink with. He's He's got the vibes.
Last question, I guess, for the for the for the episode. Let's see. I'm picking them out from the from the mailbag Q and A I got earlier. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. We ain't, we haven't talked hot bowl game yet. Um, yes. I, I know it's a I know it's a decent ways away. We play Kansas. I didn't realize that they had lost six or seven. How excited are you for this game compared to past bowl games? I feel like the the fan base as a whole just isn't as upbeat about it as we were last year. I know last year we were playing on New Year's Day and stuff, but what's your outlook on the Liberty Bowl? Are you going? And do you see this playing well or playing out well for the Hogs? I'm probably not going. I'd like to go. Just didn't work out with the scheduling back here at the station. Um, in terms of your kind of feel of the fan base, I mean, I think you think you've got it spot on. There's not a lot of excitement. I mean, guys keep hitting the portal or declaring for the draft. How can you be excited when the team that you watched all year isn't even going to get to play probably in this bowl game because guys are going. Now, I'm still I'm still ready to watch it, and hopefully they can defeat Kansas and finish with a record above 500 rather than below. But, I mean, it's hard to convince fans that this is going to be the, the a team that is going to – beat the brakes off the Jayhawks like you were able to do against the Nitty Lions last year. All your guys outside of Birch were playing last year. So right. I just think that it's a little – it's just a different story. And the way you ended your season losing Missouri relative to beating the dog out of them last year in Fayetteville, just it's, – it's different seasons, man. That's that's just how it is. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not the one to say – I'm not the one to jump the gun and say anyone's on the hot seat, right? I'm I'm – pretty realistic in that matter you know this year was a letdown it definitely was it's hard you know it's hard not to have high hopes after what we did last year and what we had coming back and the new additions but you know say worst case scenario we lose the bowl game worst case scenario we're not you know the year doesn't start off great next year do you think next year or actually regardless of how the bowl game turns out do you think next year is a hot seat year for Pittman I think it's a year that they've got to not duplicate what happened this year. I mean, they've got four cup, excuse me, three cupcakes and BYU at home in their schedule. That's three wins right there. You should beat BYU at home. And then you've got some teams they got to face every year. you got to go to Baton Rouge a little earlier this year. It's kind of weird. you got to go to Tuscaloosa, which you have to do every other year. They don't have Bryce Young this next year. Maybe they're not as good offensively without their star quarterback, their Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback. You go to Gainesville later on. Uh, Florida wasn't that good this year. Maybe catch a break with them not being great this next season. We'll have to see what they do under Billy Napier. I I don't – I mean, again, hot seat is such an overused term. Maybe it, qualifies, sure. maybe it qualifies here. Maybe it doesn't. But I, I just I, – fans aren't going to be satisfied with another 6-6 six and six regular season. I, I can't agree with you on that, Peyton. Right. I agree. I think – I think six and six, he's still on the hot seat. Seven and five, he's he, his job secure. Eight and four, we're excited. Nine and three, celebrated. Or eight and four, he's off the hot seat. Nine and three, celebrated. So um, crazy. We're even talking nine wins, and I hate to even get into it. It's hard not to, though. But all righty, well, that's that's all we got, Tyson. I'm I'm glad you came on the show. It, 
hopefully it's not your last time to come on the show. For those who don't know, Ty, you host Hit That Line. Or no, the morning rush, what, 6 to 9 every morning, right? 6 to 9 every morning, Peyton. 6 to 9 every morning. So for those who haven't listened, most of you probably know who Ty is, but I'd highly encourage you to go listen. There's a lot of funny callers, and my God, I really hope – Eddie from Clarksville doesn't call in anytime soon. That guy gives me, that guy gives me, oh my God, he gets my blood boiling whenever that guy's on the show. But all in all, Ty, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You were kind of an inspiration, to say the least, of uh, of me wanting to get into doing this podcast thing. So I appreciate you for that, and I uh, hopefully have you on the show uh, sometime soon. Peyton, anytime you need me, I'll be here, man. And uh, safe to say that you're definitely better at this than I am. All right. I don't know about that, man, but I appreciate it. All righty. Well, that wraps it up for this week's episode of Views from the Hill. Once again, I appreciate all the love and support you guys have given the podcast. It really does mean a lot. It's made this podcasting journey a lot of fun. I really look forward to getting more of y'all on the show and, you know, just bantering back and forth about whatever the hell it may be. And it's really exciting watching the Hog basketball team doing what they're doing right now. But it raises the question, can we continue with the rest of the season? We have to take it one game at a time, like I say. Hopefully, next time I see you guys, the Hogs have taken down Bradley and are looking forward to getting ready for conference play.